You're listening to the Recoveredish Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today because we are doing a part two of the Holiday Survival Guide series that we're doing. So last week, we talked all about how to engage in self-care during the holidays. I talked about loneliness during the holidays and how it's actually really normal and how to cope if you just don't really like the holidays and you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And we also spent a lot of time talking about should you go to the event, should you not, and how to kind of figure that out. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, there's so much good content in there. I highly recommend going back and listening to that. But today, I'm going to get into specific questions that you all submitted. And as a reminder, if you ever want your questions submitted, sometimes I use questions to create a whole episode. So I love when you all call in with your questions. You can call the podcast at 813-444-8683, and I always have that linked in the show notes. So I have a couple different topics we're going to get into today. And one of the first ones is from a listener who is dealing with being single during the holidays. So let's listen in. Hey, Amanda. I'm such a fan of the podcast. I have a question for you. I'm single and I struggle during the holidays because my family constantly questions me about when I'm going to find a relationship. Any tips on this? Normally, I'm super comfortable being single, but I find it harder during the holidays to be around my family because they all have partners and families. Thanks. Such a great question. I think a lot of people are in this boat. I think that there is something really unfortunate that happens during the holidays where we can be completely comfortable with our life normally, and then all of a sudden we're around our families or we're around big groups of people or we see how other people celebrate the holidays or we see people sending out holiday cards or something like that, and it can make us really question our choices even though we know that they're right for us or it is what it is right now. It is just a very disorienting time when all of a sudden you can be around a different group of people and because you are around them or because of what you're seeing in the media, it can make you question your choices or question what you think you want because there are plenty of people who do not want families or who do not want to be partnered up and then they are around their families and they get pressured to want certain things and it can make them feel really disoriented. So I just wanted to normalize that. I think especially the kids' partner conversation is really hard during the holidays. And if you think about it, a lot of times the pressure, whether it's from your family or other people, is kind of coming from a selfish place. If your parents, right, are pressuring you to have kids, maybe they want grandchildren or they have kids and they feel very fulfilled by it. So they assume, of course, it's something that you're interested in talking about when maybe it's not what you want at all. And I think that's one of the difficult things about when you're living a different life than is maybe quote unquote expected. People just assume you want that same thing and they interact with you as though of course you want it without even kind of being curious or thinking about whether you want it or even I think about all the people who do really want kids or they do want a partner and they're bombarded with people acting like they don't want that. When maybe they're really struggling to conceive, maybe they've been dating and on dating apps for years and they just feel so frustrated and hopeless about not having a partner and they're just trying to work on acceptance of that. 
So wherever you are on the spectrum, I have so much compassion for you. I think the holidays can be a really hard time of year. So in both situations, I think it's really helpful to have some practiced things that you will say when someone asks you an invasive question that you don't want to answer. And that could be a question around kids or finding a partner or an answer to a question that you just don't feel like getting into. Like maybe you have an uncle who's really invasive about asking you questions about your sex life (laughs) with your partner. Or maybe it's someone who's invasive and and won't stop talking about politics or something else that you don't want to get into and you don't want to have asked. So it can be for a question that you just don't want to answer regardless of the topic. So I'm going to give you specific phrases that you can say when someone asks you a question that you don't want to answer. Okay. The first one is, I'm not comfortable answering that. Let's switch to a different topic. This one is a bit, I wouldn't say aggressive, but it is a bit honest and upfront. And you do run the risk of someone being like, oh, well, I didn't know. I didn't mean to ask that. Oh, or like being martyry, being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. God, I'm just terrible. You know, like, especially if it's a close family member or something like that. But it is good, I think, for someone who is respectful, who maybe doesn't realize that this is not a great question and or in a situation where that person will take this feedback into the future, right, where they will recognize, oh, this is not something that someone wants to talk about. And they will then use that in the future and not ask that compared to If you just sometimes do this more subtly, it won't register for them that they shouldn't be asking you about this topic. The next one, a little bit softer along the same lines. I understand why you're curious. It's just not something I want to discuss right now. I think that's along the same lines, just a little bit softer, a little more direct. You could say, I would prefer not to answer that. And then this is a really good one if someone asks you this multiple times, if you have that aunt that every time you see her, she says, when are you having kids or when are you going to get married or when are you going to quit your job or whatever that question is over and over again that they keep asking, saying something like, you know, my answer hasn't changed since I last talked to you about it and I'd prefer that you don't bring it up again. I think The nice thing about this is it doesn't lead super aggressively, but it ends pretty firmly. As a general take on boundaries, I tend to prefer ones that start with assuming good intent or not being super direct and then ending it with a more direct statement so that people's guards don't immediately go up when you lead with that strict statement, but they hear you at the end. If you want to be a little firmer with this, you could say, I've told you that I'm not comfortable answering this. Please don't bring it up again. Or you could say, thanks for asking. I'm not ready to answer that question though. I think this one is better though if you aren't uncomfortable with them asking again because it doesn't quite say like, please don't ask me again. You could be more honest and you could say, you know, it really negatively impacts me when you continue to ask me this question after I've asked you not to. So maybe this isn't one to, you know, publicly say in front of a lot of people, but if you're having a one-on-one conversation with them and you feel like you've tried all of the different techniques – leading with just sharing how it impacts you when they ask you may be helpful. This one is a little more evasive. You could say something like, that's a good question. I wish I knew the answer. I don't, but I will let you know when I figure it out. I think this one is good for if you have someone who you don't want to have a real conversation with, you just kind of want to avoid the question. 
And then you could also say, you know, asking that question puts a ton of pressure on me. I'm sure you didn't mean it that way, but I'd really prefer not to answer that. That's another good one if you want to have a more deep conversation, if you want to be a little bit firmer and really be clear that you don't want them to continue to bring up the question again. And then you could say one that's a little more tongue-in-cheek and you could say, why do you want to know that question? You could kind of put it back on them. That one is good if you are just really fed up with your uncle who keeps asking you the same question over and over again and they don't seem to be listening. So I hope some of these phrases were helpful and you can use them or write them down as you go into this holiday season. I also think if you're someone who is very settled in your current choices, like not having children or not having a partner, and it's something that you like right now and you're not struggling with, before you go to an event, sit down and take some time to write out what your values are or what are the reasons that you enjoy not having a family and try to really remember your values. Maybe you really value your free time. Maybe you're really fulfilled by friendships in your life. Maybe you're really fulfilled by traveling and that's a huge reason why you're not prioritizing having a partner right now because you have the freedom and the flexibility to have these amazing travels. So take some time and center yourself and maybe create a list on your phone. So before you go into that event, you remind yourself of who you are and what's important to you so that you will be less swayed or feel less badly when people try to tell you that you should be a different way. And you're reminding yourself of your values and what's important to you, not because you're going to debate someone. In general, I don't think it's really helpful to debate people, especially during the holidays, about your choices. You don't owe a justification to anyone. People don't have to understand why you're making certain choices in your life to respect you. And I think a lot of times when we're kind of debating for our humanity or we're justifying our choices, it can leave us feeling really depleted if someone is debating us and it seems like they're winning the debate with all the reasons why we should have kids or have a partner, for example. This is your life. And at the end of the day, your choices are the only things that matter to you. They don't have to understand and they don't have to agree. So, of course, if you feel compelled to share or you think it would be helpful so that you can kind of get someone off your back or you think that they're coming from maybe an open and curious place and you'd like to share, go for it. But you also don't have to. And I'm not having you think about your values and why you've made certain choices in your life in order to justify it or tell other people. You're coming up with this list for you so you can remind yourself of who you are when you're in these maybe disorienting conversations. If you're someone listening and you do really, really want a partner or you do want kids, for example, but you don't want to get into what's going on with fertility treatments or the dates that haven't been working out for you, this can also be different because you're not going to necessarily be able to ground yourself in how you're happy about not having kids if you really, really want them and you're going through all the difficulties of trying to make that happen. Instead, before you go into the party, I would ground yourself in what is important to you and how not everyone has a right to know everything that's going on in your life, especially if you're going to a party with people who you don't know super well. It can be really emotionally draining to either pretend that you don't want something that you do or feel like you have to go into these potentially traumatic details of your life to satisfy someone else's curiosity. In those cases, you can still use the answers to the questions that I gave a little bit ago, but also I would remember that you have a right to separate yourself. 
Another idea is if there is someone there who you are closer with, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's a sibling you feel more connected to and you feel like you can be authentic with, maybe let them know ahead of time that this is something that is difficult for you. Saying, you know, it really sucks when grandpa is always asking me when I'm going to find a partner. And will you just kind of be my buddy during this? And then you have more than one person who can kind of maybe spend time with you. Maybe you can sit next to them at the dinner table. Or maybe if they see you kind of being cornered in the conversation with grandpa, they can kind of come over, diffuse the tension, maybe make a joke, you know, maybe come over to you and say like, hey, I need help cutting the pie. Will you come over and help me? So that you can kind of have someone as an ally there who can pull you away from those situations. So I hope some of these tips are helpful and solidarity with anyone else who struggles during the holidays. If you are feeling your blood pressure going up by listening to me talk about the holidays and parties and all of the situations you may find yourself in, I wanted to share with you a helpful resource. My practice, Therapy for Women Center, has therapists located across the country in 27 states. If you're local to the Philadelphia area, we also have three office locations there and have a ton of therapists located in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. We would love to support you during the holidays or into the new year if you're looking to improve on your mental health goals and really change your life. Therapy is so powerful because some of the questions that I ask you in this podcast, you get to go deep one-on-one with a therapist and unpack all the different layers. At Therapy for Women, we really know that it can be scary to start the process of therapy, which is why we're committed to matching you with the best therapist for you. You can learn more about us, schedule a free consultation, or get started in the booking process by visiting our website at www.therapyforwomencenter.com. And if you have littles who are also looking for support around the holidays, or you're a parent, we're really excited to share that we have a sister practice, Therapy for Kids Center, located in Pennsylvania that's also accepting new clients as well. To learn more about that, go to therapyforkidscenter.com. Let's get into another question. Hi, Amanda. My name is Margaret, um, and I'm calling to get your advice on navigating um, upcoming holidays such as Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, with really large um, extended families. So for some context, um, I married into a family with, um, you know, my husband has multiple siblings, um, and his family events are rather large. Um, I am a little bit more introverted, and so this is something that I really struggle with because there's just a lot of chaos, screaming, yelling um, in, like, a, a jovial way, but it's still very overwhelming um, for someone like me who's a little bit more sensitive and, um, again, a little bit more quiet. Um, so one would love your advice on how to deal with really chaotic events when um, you're someone who um, is a little bit more sensitive to loud noises, loud sounds, kids screaming, um, toys banging, um, et cetera. And then two would love your advice on um, families that are um, a little bit toxic in certain ways. My in-laws um, and one of their children actually live across the street from each other, like everybody loves Raymond style. Um, and so our holidays are spread between these two houses as well, um, where everyone is there almost in like an impromptu but not impromptu block party. Um, it just gets really, again, like overwhelming. Um, I've usually taken to hiding in the bathroom for short periods of time, but with that many people, um, it definitely gets tough. 
Um, and then three, also just advice. My husband and I don't have children yet, and we get a lot of questions around if and when we're going to have children. We've given every which answer possible, um, and it's still just been really tough. We can't fully avoid them. Um, so, yeah, um, I know this was a lot and packed with a couple different types of questions, but um, hopefully it also helps some other people out there as well. Thanks so much. Hi, Margaret. Thank you so much for calling in. This is such a great question. And yes, there's a couple different places that I can go with this. So to start, I want to say a lot of people actually, I think, fall into this boat of being more introverted and really struggling during the holidays when there's lots of parties, lots of loudness, lots of gatherings, maybe lots of chaos, even if it's good chaos like you talked about. So you're not alone. I would also consider that you may not just be introverted, you may be overstimulated. That's the word that kept coming to my mind when you were talking about the nature of these parties and gatherings and all the people is it sounds like you get very overstimulated. I am someone who also gets overstimulated fairly easily. And if you're introverted, you may be more likely to feel that way. So there are a couple of things I want to talk to you about. I, after having a child this year, get overstimulated much more easily. And I have a couple tips for you with that. Overstimulation, the best way to think about it, it is kind of like a cup. And we're empty when we are fully rested, when we are fully hydrated, when we've eaten enough, when we don't have any stress, when we're in this kind of like great place, quote unquote. Most of us are never at an empty cup. Most of us have something in there But the more you can do to take care of yourself before you go to these events, before you're putting yourself in this kind of very stimulating situation, the more space and the more time you're going to have before you get overstimulated. So really think about a plan before you go into the season. Also, based on what you said, it kind of becomes a multi-day affair. It almost becomes like an impromptu block party. So it sounds like it isn't just a day that kind of stops and starts that you can get through. I think hiding in the bathroom is an underrated good tip. Obviously, you can't spend too, too much time in the bathroom. So you got to kind of break it up. But spending time in the bathroom, taking some time alone can be really helpful to recenter yourself if you're feeling yourself getting overwhelmed. I also think that taking some time if it's not too cold outside or if it's possible. It sounds like it becomes a block party, so it may not be getting away from the chaos. But maybe you could go take a walk or enlist your husband in that or maybe someone at the party who is a little more like you and you could suggest going for a walk with them or something like that. Before you go into the party, I would think about what are the things that tend to push you over the edge most? Is it noise? Is it kids screaming in a loud voice? Is it people roughhousing or fighting or having like big, bold disagreements like you were talking about? Is it music being really loud? Is it people all being together and you're kind of getting shoved and everyone is sitting really close together and there isn't a lot of personal space? I would really think about your senses because what happens when we're overstimulated is essentially our brain starts to shut down and short circuit because there's too much sensory processing. So if you think about your five senses of sight, touch, taste, hearing, and smell, And so you can think about which are the ones that you're most sensitive to and also think about which of those are going to be most in overdrive that day. So if it is really loud and there's lots of noises, it may be that 
hearing, that sense is really what's getting overwhelmed. It may be space and touch and everyone's hugging each other and touching each other and their kids running up to you and there's no personal space. It could be that there's a lot of sensory input going on. There's TVs going, there's people talking, there's a lot of people in one area, there's Christmas lights, there's flashing lights, right? There's all of these sight visuals that are going on that are overstimulating and overwhelming you as well. Or it could be smell. There could be a lot of smells going on, people cooking. So back to the cup analogy, if you think about which senses are being most overstimulated while you're at these events, when you're not at these events, those are the ones that I really want you to protect. If noise is a lot during these events, I want you to preemptively be really careful with how much noise you're being exposed to. That looks like maybe the day before having a lot of quiet time, maybe walking around with earplugs. This is actually a really good trick. If you're at a party, it may be a little bit harder to do because people could like recognize that you have earplugs. But personally, this is not a plug. I am not sponsored by them in any way. But there's an earplug company called Loop Earplugs that I really love and they have different senses. So it won't just block out all of the sound, but you can get ones that you can still hear sound and listen to conversations and things like that it can kind of dampen and take the edge off some of that noise. So I personally use them when I'm taking care of my daughter for long periods of time. She has a really high-pitched scream these days, and it helps me just kind of take the edge off. I would be really careful leading up to the event, even afterwards when you go home or you do have some time. Maybe you don't debrief with your husband. Maybe you go sit by yourself for a little bit and recharge alone in the silence. That is actually why I like your bathroom trick because it does kind of get us out of all those senses. Going for a walk can also potentially accomplish some of those things as well. I don't know if it's possible for you to come late or leave early. It sounds like another stress or trigger point of the situation is that there isn't an official ending to these events and that people just all come over and all hang out. And I don't know if you're staying at the family's house, so you don't really have a lot of space to yourself. But maybe you could talk to your husband about planning something if you're staying at their house, if you guys plan to go on a walk at this time by yourselves. So often our anxiety and stress can come from not feeling like there's an end point and we just kind of spiral and feel like, oh my gosh, this is going to keep going on and on and on. And I don't know when I'm going to get any time or a break to myself. If you have an end point or at least know of a spot where you're going to be able to take a break, this could give you a little bit of reprieve and help you not get completely overstimulated. I also wonder if you could talk to your husband about how you feel with this. I don't know if he feels this way at all. Obviously, it's his family, so he is going to be less sensitive to the noise or any of these other things that you're talking about because he's more comfortable there. But having an ally, having someone who you can talk to about how you're feeling could be really, really helpful as you're managing this. And maybe you could explain to him just how hard this is for you so he can get your back or notice when you're getting overwhelmed or recognize that you guys need a break and you need to leave early. I think it is so hard during the holidays with families. A lot of people that come from families that are the more the merrier, that are very chaotic, don't understand when someone is really overstimulated easily. It doesn't make sense to them. Some of us are just more sensitive. We are just more likely to get overstimulated. And it doesn't mean we don't like being at a party or we don't want to be around people. It is just that our body reacts differently. We get out of our window of tolerance more easily. And every person's capacity is a little bit different. And it's actually really influenced 
not just by your personality or your experiences, because the people who grew up in that are going to be less sensitive to it than potentially you, but even just your genetics plays a role in your overstimulation. So I would try as hard as you can not to make yourself wrong, to treat yourself with compassion, because beating yourself up on top of this will only make you more overstimulated and really focusing on the time in between these events to take care of yourself. If someone goes and runs a race, they need to really be mindful to, you know, maybe ice, maybe use heat, maybe lift their legs up, take an actual break on their body so that they can run again. I want you to think about your brain and your body as needing the same level of care before and after going to these events. Another underrated tip is if you get overstimulated also by touch, I would try to dress in the most comfy, body-hugging, loving thing that you could possibly put on your body. Because while you're feeling stressed at this party, the last thing you need to be doing is wearing a really uncomfortable pair of jeans or a really tight dress. So dress yourself comfortably so it feels good on your skin and your body too. And that can help reduce some of your initial touch sensation overstimulation. So I hope that this was helpful and I really wish you luck as you go into the holiday season. This isn't going to be perfect. It's going to take some time to kind of manage your overstimulation, but I hope you can try some of these tips. And then as the holiday season progresses, you may get better and better at dealing with this. All right. And we've got time for one more question today. Hi, Amanda. Um, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you so much for your episode last week. I got so much from it and learning about how to decide whether or not to go to my aunt's holiday party. Um, And I'm calling because I have a question about alcohol. I have been sober curious for a few months now, and I'm torn whether or not I should start drinking again during the holidays. I've been really loving my sobriety, but I also feel like I'm not totally sober, so I don't want to deal with people asking me why I'm not drinking if I'm not committed to being totally sober. Um, So I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on this. It feels like the holidays are not a good time to be cutting back on drinking. Thank you so much. This is such a good question. It's something that I work with a lot of clients on. When you are someone who is exploring sobriety, but you don't have a problem with alcohol necessarily, and you're doing it for reasons where you just feel good when you're not drinking or you're starting to experience some benefits, but you're going into a season or an event where it kind of would be fun to drink and you're trying to figure out whether you should stay sober and continue to not drink or experiment and see what happens if you do drink. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer here, as I often say, but I think that there are a few things to consider. Firstly, you can continue with not drinking during the holidays, even if you're not planning on being sober forever. If someone asks you why you're not drinking, there are a lot of really easy, small things that you can say to kind of shut down the conversation that will also not put you in a situation where you're committing to being sober or saying that you have a problem. For example, if someone asks you why you're not drinking, you could say, I just don't feel like it right now, or I'm not feeling great, or I'm just trying to take care of myself this holiday season and I realized that drinking wasn't helping me do that. You could also just say that you're experimenting with taking a break from drinking and it's been something that you've been liking and you want to kind of keep doing it. I would keep it pretty noncommittal, focus on the positive impacts of not drinking. And if people push back or try to kind of argue with you about it, 
that's where you can be a little bit more firm and say, yeah, I just don't feel like it. And if people push back on what you're saying, one of my best tips is you can repeat the same exact thing you said. Often if we set a boundary or say no and someone says why again, we feel like we need to come up with a completely new additional reason. You only need one reason to not drink and it's that you don't want to. And if people keep pushing back on that, that is not your problem to solve. You can continue to say the same thing over and over. And if they keep pushing you, you can say something like, hey, yeah, I I told you why I'm not drinking. Can we change the subject? Or I just don't feel comfortable or I don't want to talk about this anymore with you. So I don't know how it works with your family. Obviously, every family is different. And there are some families where tradition is super important and that tradition can involve drinking. So it may be harder if you're in one of those families to just kind of give a vague response or do some of the things that I'm talking about. If they feel offended that you're not participating in drinking this drink or playing this game with them, for example, then maybe it is worth it for you to break your sobriety during the holidays and do that. Only you can choose. And as we talked about last week a lot, I think this is where you have to decide for yourself whether not drinking and continuing on the path and feeling good as you have been is worth the potential risk of having people push back or being invasive or having to have some hard conversations. But I do really want to tell you that it is really your choice and you do have choice in this. And sometimes during the holidays, people feel like, well, I can't not drink because I don't have a good enough reason, or I don't have a problem with alcohol, or I don't have an excuse that's good enough that will make people leave me alone. And you do not need a good enough excuse for other people. What matters most is the reasons that you're not drinking for yourself, and you don't have to convince anyone else that it's the right thing for you to do. All that matters is whether you think it's benefiting you. If you've also been not drinking and enjoying some of the benefits and want to kind of come back to drinking in a really intentional way, I would also say that the holidays are not always a great time to have your first drink back after a period of a break. Because I typically recommend being really mindful in that first drink back, maybe drinking when you are with someone or it's really enhancing that celebration, but you're also able to be present, like maybe you're out to dinner or something like that. Compared to being at a very chaotic party, there is going to be a lot more pressure to drink. And you're also mixing that with potential social anxiety or overwhelm for being at that event. So it can be really easy to say, I'm going to start drinking again during the holidays because I don't want to feel left out at this party or I have social anxiety, but you're coming back to drinking not really from an empowered place. You're coming from a place of, I don't want to set this boundary or I feel uncomfortable and I could use alcohol to soothe my nerves a little bit rather than really being intentional with alcohol when you come back to it so you can be clear-headed when you're evaluating whether this was worth it or not. If you are sober curious or experimenting with drinking less, the best place you can come from is asking yourself whether drinking in different situations is worth it or not. Maybe it is going to be worth it sometimes when you are at a winery or you're out to dinner with someone and you really want that nice glass of wine, But if you're using alcohol to cope with your emotions or deal with something difficult, it is unlikely to be worth it because it is a temporary release that will only make your anxiety or other mood issues feel worse the next day. And the holidays with all of the parties, all the events, all the stress, all the families, 
it can very easily be a slippery slope where you drink a little bit one night and then you just keep getting into the habit because depending on your schedule, there may not be a lot of natural breaks in the holiday season where you can go back to taking a week or two off. And as a result, drinking one day can really lead into another, which can increase your alcohol consumption throughout the month or season. If you want to be really intentional about this choice, I would create two lists of costs and payoffs for staying sober during the holidays or drinking during the holidays. Be really intentional and notice what the pros and cons are to both, and then you can make a really informed, grounded decision. I hope this helps you. And to everyone who called in, thank you so much. I loved doing the series for you. As always, you can call in and get your questions answered. And I hope you have a great holiday season and that these tips help you along the way. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 